and welcome to season two of Sex on the Table, the podcast aimed at creating a healthy blueprint for millennial relationships. I'm your host, Marandra Johnson, sex and relationship therapist, and joining me today is Jordan Madison, licensed clinical marriage and family therapist. Today, we will discuss tips for marriage preparation, important conversations to have pre-marriage, and we will also explore what attachment styles are and how these styles can assist one's continued journey of self-exploration in hopes of getting married. Thank you so much for being here. And I know we've been trying to connect for a while. So guys, this is another person that's kind of like been intertwined into my journey of sex therapy and marriage and family therapy. And I feel like life always goes full circle. So Jordan is definitely one of those really people. Does, right? we, what grade was I in? Sophomore, maybe? Junior? I don't know. But we had a class together at Morehouse campus, which was uh-huh. a very interesting class. <laughs> so, it was. So yes, but now Jordan is um, a licensed clinical marriage and family therapist, um, and you guys can follow her at Therapy Is My Jam. She's always dropping important nuggets of information, um, so you guys should definitely check her out. But today we're going to be talking about pre-conversations um, before marriage. If marriage is something that you aspire to be a part of and to have as like a life goal, um, then us as clinicians think that it's very important that you guys have certain conversations to discuss certain things beforehand. So we're just going to get into that. But before we do all that, during do a little check-in, you know, it's yeah. always important. <laughs> yeah. How are you feeling? I'm okay. I'm usually nervous for these recordings, but, okay. you know, I know you, so I'm cool. I'm cool. Right. That helps. I'm excited. Yeah. Sure. So, I definitely feel the same. I mean, I know we've been trying to do this for a while, so um, I'm yeah. good. But I'm, I'm doing pretty good. It's Friday. I don't see clients on Fridays, so it's my self-care day. Um, got my nails done, watched the Disney movie, so you know, can't complain. <laughs> Feeling pretty relaxed. Yeah, I can't uh, get off, so I can do all those things and relax. Right. <laughs> you definitely so, yeah. deserve. Yes, but okay, Jordan. So you were telling me earlier, like we guys, we were trying to figure out like, what we were going to discuss, um, and we had like some intersecting experiences that made us determine this topic. Um, mm-hmm. So one thing you said that you were reading a new book. Want to share the book? Yeah. So I'm reading a book called Last One Down the Aisle Wins. Mm-hmm. It's by Shannon Fox and Celeste Liversidge. Liversidge? I'm not sure how to pronounce that. But <laughs> but um, it's basically like 10 keys to a fabulous single life now and an even better marriage later. Um, and okay. so I picked it up because I figured it would be helpful one for myself because I'm single but I do know that marriage is something I aspire to have but also I have a lot of clients who are single and sad about being single or getting older and they're like now what like I've done everything else I want to be married Um, and so I thought the book would be a helpful reminder for myself and for others of all the things to enjoy and focus on in your single life before 
committing to marriage to make sure that you're coming into your marriage as a whole person and not looking for someone to complete you. Um, so it's been pretty good so far. I'm not too far into the book. I think I'm only like two chapters in. Um, but it's been pretty interesting. And it, it started with saying that basically divorce rate, divorce rates are lowest for men and women who marry for the first time at age 28 or later. I don't think most of us are like expecting to be married way before 28, but just in case there are some people who are like, oh no, I'm 25 now, or oh, I'm getting kicked off my parents' health insurance now. <laughs> like, you know, where's my partner? Where's my person? Um, I think it's helpful to just, you know, focus on some things within yourself first. And then if you do already have a partner, conversations to have with that partner prior to making the commitment for marriage. Yeah, and we talked a little bit about, like, you know, we're both millennials, so, like, our expectations as kids, like, I thought I was about to be married by 23, like, two kids, I want twins, yes. so twins by 25, um, and I don't know about the other millennials out there, but life has just not been going like that, and that's completely yeah, no, okay with me. Yeah, I've, I've, I wanted to be married at 23, like, as a kid, I wanted to be married at 23, and kids at 25, I don't know if I knew how many kids I wanted back then. But me now, I'm like, there's no way I would have wanted to actually be married at 23. Like, you, I was in grad school. Like, yeah, <laughs> that that would have been so much. Um, yeah. So it's interesting because I think as kids, we don't we don't necessarily understand or have a grasp of time. And mm-hmm. we think 23 seems older or mature. And I'm like, at 23, I, your frontal lobe isn't even fully developed I yet. Know, so. Exactly. So. <laughs> so, yeah, I can't even imagine what a marriage at 23 would have looked like for me. Yeah, definitely. Like, I don't know what that little Mo was thinking, but she had big <laughs> dreams. <laughs> so. um, but I was also saying that I have a client, in addition to like the book, um, mm-hmm. I have a client that does debates and was we always discuss like the different debate topics um so last week he brought in the idea of um do you think that somebody that aspires to marriage is like a work in progress towards marriage husband or wife um are they already that person or like what do you think you need to get there um so jordan just as like dealing with couples pre and marital counseling like what do you think somebody needs to obtain in order to be ready for like the whole marriage process mm, that's a good question loaded question <laughs> uh, right I mean honestly the first thought that comes to mind is that they need to have a clear understanding of themselves first yeah. like spend time with yourself understand yourself what works for you so that you can communicate that to someone else right mm-hmm. like if you know certain things make you emotional or what your triggers are or what makes you feel better and then you have, you're merging your life with someone else, you at least have a good understanding of yourself and who you are, that you can help express that to someone else and help them understand how they need to take care of you, because everyone else, everyone has different needs, and I think that's important. I also think it's important to have a good understanding of yourself so that you know if someone aligns with you, right? Because if you're in this space of, oh, I just want a partner, or I'm tired of being single, I want to be with someone, but you don't understand, like, what the someone that you need, like, how they would be, or aspects of them that are important to you, like, what your values are, what you're looking for in a person, you may just settle 
for anyone or anything. And that's, you know, unfair to you if you know that that's something that you really want. And so I think it's important to, I don't know, we hear it often um, and it's kind of cliche, but I think it is really important to spend time with yourself first to make sure that you're not choosing someone out of loneliness or out of boredom or fear of being alone, but you're choosing them because their presence adds to what you already have, basically. Yeah, I completely agree. And I know it is like kind of cliche, like people hear it. And if you're somebody that is like really wanting to get married or you feel like time is against you, you might mm-hmm. be like, oh, like how much more do I need to know myself? Right. But what you yeah, said is so I get important. That, Cause I too feel that way. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. okay, Lord, I have journaled. I have prayed. I have been living by myself. Like I, I love myself. I get it now. Like, yeah. So, but I do think, I do think it's important. Um, to really understand that. And, you know, even when I'm having those doubts of like, okay, well, what else? Um, Sometimes I have thoughts of like, well, maybe there's still more that I need to know and understand about myself too, right? In addition, I do think being in relationship with someone does help you learn more about yourself. So I'm not saying to have it all figured out before meeting someone because no one has it all figured out. Like we're all taking, you know, one day at a time and figuring out what works for us but a basic understanding of who you are and what you need and what you desire and what you value is important and when in relationship you do learn more about yourself and if the relationship that you're in is a healthy one if it makes you feel like I'm growing as a person or my partner is actually like my partner in life and helping me achieve certain things and not holding me back and not making me feel guilty or not good enough you know then I think that that's that's helpful to then have that relationship but still have the foundation yourself before the relationship yeah most definitely and you spoke about like alignment right so if you're unaligned within self then you can't be like aligned with somebody else ideally or at least in like a healthy way Um, So I think it's definitely important. And I always tell folks that are like doing, you know, practicing self-love, confidence, whatever the case is, that it is a forever journey. Like, you know, you as a person or us as just humans and individuals like are forever evolving and changing. So it's not like something that just happens tomorrow, even though like a lot of times you're like, all right, where he at? (laughs) Because I'm ready. I think I'm really ready. But, you know, it's definitely a forever process. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, because you're always learning and growing. And that's why I say it can be tricky because you do understand. For some people, it's like, some people may think you have to figure everything out first and then be with someone. And I'm not saying that because it is a forever process. I think you should have a basic understanding of yourself. There are relationships that do help you teach, like learn more about yourself in relationship and to compromise or to listen more or you know because if you've been single for such a long time it can also be hard to incorporate someone else into your life um but hopefully if you've learned like what works for you it's a little easier to compromise without feeling like you're losing yourself or compromising your values I agree um and so do you think that the process to like marriage is because sometimes society will have, have you thinking that it's like just bestowed on you at birth, especially for women, if we're thinking about like heteronormative perspectives. So do you mm-hmm. think that it's something that like everything else is a process or are there certain things that should already be present? 
Uh, I think it's a process because even if, like, for as long as I can remember, I've wanted to be married. Now, I people could argue, is that because that's what you saw? Is that because that's the socialized norm? Is it because as women we're expected typically to want marriage? Like, I don't know. I know me personally, I do want to be married. Like, that's important to me. Um, but just because I want it doesn't always mean that I'm ready for it yet. Like, right. I huge. can't say oh, I want to be married, and then not, like, okay. I watched Married at First Sight. Me too. <laughs> I don't know why I still watch that show, because they have stretched that show out so long, Forever. and it really stresses yeah. me out. But every Wednesday, I'm tuned in. And you'll see people who are like, yeah, I want to be married, I'm ready to be married. But then meeting them, granted, it's strangers, so I recognize that that's way different. But there'll be situations yeah. where it's like, well, I don't want to do that. Like, I'm not compromising. And so it's mm-hmm. like, you can say you want to be married, but marriage does take certain things that are you ready to do those certain things? Like, yeah. if you are an only child, like, I know I've been raised, I mean, I have siblings, but they're so much younger than me. So I've been raised as an only child. Um, I might be used to things going my way. If I want to marry someone, I need to understand, like, it's not going to always be about me. Right. It should still feel about me. Sometimes my partner should like still make me feel important and cared for. But then other times I also need to make my partner do that, you know, feel that way, too. So you can't go into a mindset of like a committed union. Not ready to like share your life, you know, and that's where I think you need time. Because there's plenty of people who may get married young. Think like, oh, great, I have my person. And then down the line, they're like, but I never got to travel or I never got to just live by myself or I never got to, you know. So that's where I think that time piece comes in to make sure that you're doing stuff that you want to do on your own when you're not obligated to someone. So that when you are married or when you do, if you and your partner decide to have kids, then (laughs) when those sacrifices come up, it doesn't feel like, oh, I'm missing out on my life because you did have moments to do that. Yeah. Also, prayerfully, you would be able to have a balance because hopefully, so I, I believe you can have, like, you can do both. You can be a mom, dad, you can be married, but also still have time for yourself. Um, it's just harder to do so and you have to be more intentional with it. Yeah. Okay. So you are, you recommended like being aligned or being in tune with self um, and then also being like flexible or like willing even if there's not a partner present at the time like willing to compromise or not just be stuck in self well I would Um, say willing to compromise when you have the partner because one of the perks of being single (laughs) is that you don't have to (laughs) compromise or have to think of like worry or like you know be responsible for anyone else um maybe not responsible, but like respectful of anyone else's Mm -hmm. needs and desires. I mean, hopefully you'd know how to compromise in like family situations or you would know how to compromise in general. But I think it's a perk of being single where you, you know, do what you want to do at that time. But when you, if you're saying now I'm like ready for a partnership, then what comes with partnership might be things that, you know, you just might have to check like, okay, does that feel like I'd be able to do that? Mm-hmm. I agree. What so? What else do you think, if anything else, you would need in like preparation? Um, 
In preparation, I think it's helpful to have like a support system, mm-hmm. a life outside of your partner. Yes, like, I love that. It's important to love your partner and be with them and spend time with them, but make sure that you don't lose yourself in. So yeah. Having a friends, family that you can lean on that, you know, you can go do other stuff with and not all your time is spent with your partner. Mm-hmm. Um, it's helpful to typically have a career, like something that you're enjoying, right? Because when you feel fulfilled as an individual, then that's less strain and pressure on the relationship. Because yes. if you're not feeling fulfilled and you're looking for your partner to meet all these needs, where some needs that you have, you might be able to, you know, fulfill yourself or meet yourself. Um, it's it's less strain on the relationship with when both partners feel content in their own lives, right? In in what they're bringing to the table, in what they've already been doing. Um, it can sometimes be harder to merge lives when you have your own individual stuff set up, but it also is like, I'm not gonna lose myself in my partner and my partner be the sole source of happiness or joy or comfort or companionship that I have yeah and I feel like uh, so often in relationships that happens um Mm -hmm. and I always remind my clients like you know number one you can't pour from an empty cup right so society gives us this idea of your better half or your other half um but I always Mm -hmm. try to push the narrative of you being completely whole and the partner being completely whole so that way that you guys like supersede Mm -hmm. yeah so it's two holes coming together not half a person Ah. and half a person Right. Because honestly, like, it's two whole lives merging into one and then you're creating a life that works for both of you. But if you don't feel like you're even your whole self, how are you going to know what works for you? And the book right. that I'm reading, like a lot of it talks about, or <clears throat> it uses examples of women who were like, I got married so young that I didn't even know who I was yet. Like what? I liked back then, like, you grow so much in your 20s. From 20 to 23 is different. From 23 to 26 is different. And I'm sure 26 to 29 will be completely different, too. I'm 27, so, like, I'm not fully out of my 20s yet. But looking back on my life, where I was five years ago to now is, like, completely different. How I thought, how I felt about things. So I think you have to give yourself time to really know yourself and allow yourself time to grow and have life experiences that may change you. Absolutely. I definitely agree. Um, And then just to the point of having other outlets, um, I always use the example like, so let's say, you know, you're married, you have a partner and they're like your best friend, which is completely okay. But they're like your best friend. You guys are in business together. You guys might be in like a recreational sport together. Um, and then you guys work together as well outside of like, you know, personal business. That's a lot for each partner to have on, you know, you, you can't be like somebody's complete outlet for everything. Um, it starts to get unhealthy and, it's it's a good idea yeah it's a good idea in relationships like you know spread things out have a best friend that you can call have somebody at work that you might be able to unload on or have different discussions just because you're in a partnership you and the person may not have all of the same things in common or have all the same interests 
Um, and so mm -hmm. I think that it drains the relationship when everything is, you know, you're just kind of consumed by your partner and there's no other worlds. Yeah, because it's putting pressure on that person to meet all of these needs mm -hmm. when there's other people that could meet those needs. And that doesn't mean like cheating on your partner. It means like if I were to get into a relationship tomorrow, okay, that seems unrealistic, but <laughs> if I were to get into a relationship <laughs> in like three months, that person yeah. would probably eventually become a very close friend of mine. But I also have best friends that like I would still go to, that I would still talk to. Um, when I'm feeling stressed, I would still go out with my friends, you know, yeah. yes, I'd make time for my partner and spend a lot of time with him, I'm sure, but also not neglect the other people who have poured into me and, you know, who have been a source of comfort before this person came along. Yeah, and I most. think if, if I didn't have anyone and I put all of that on my partner, like I want my partner to be my best friend, my confidant, my lover, my therapist, my, like, no person can fulfill all of those roles. That's a lot yeah. of stress and expectation to put on someone. Yeah, most definitely. Um, so just within talking about like, you know, roles and expectations, um, I always want to talk about, I also want to talk about healing, right? Um, so I think that healing is a big part of individual work. Um, it's mm -hmm. something to be done before getting married. Um, and it's also a part of like reflecting and knowing yourself. You have to like know your triggers, your love language, like your attachment styles and those different things about yourself so that you can communicate that effectively with your partner. Mm -hmm. um, so you want to tell us a little bit about attachment styles? I know there was another book, Attached. <laughs> I read that book in school. Yes, too. I love that book. Um, I read that just book for those that don't know what it is. Um, so attachment styles are, they originated basically from a study looking at babies and their moms um called the strange situations i want to say um and so it is looking at how you explore the world when you're secure when your base or secure base of comfort is gone right and so if you are securely attached well sorry i'll go into the study in a second but basically there have been other researchers who have adopted the same attachments that were found with babies can still be seen in our adulthood and in a sense it can follow us right so if you were securely attached as a baby, you might be securely attached as an adult, or if you were anxiously attached, whatever the case may be. So with the study with the babies, it was more like they would have the mom and baby together. The mom would leave the room. They would see how the baby would react. And then mom would come back and they would see how the baby would react. And so basically a secure baby would, you know, be on mom, would explore and stuff while mom was there. Um, mom would come back I mean sorry mom would leave the room they'd be sad for a little bit but okay not like extreme distress and then when mom came back they'd be comforted by mom and then go about exploring the room again um and basically the idea is that when you have a secure base or an attachment figure you feel safe exploring the world you feel safe doing stuff on your own and then knowing that you can come back to someone so um, anxious was babies were not necessarily exploring even when mom was in the room like I think they were all on mom mom would leave they'd have a fit mom would come back they'd be like where have you been <laughs> and they'd be all on mom um, and then avoidant is like baby's not really around mom even when she is in the room not really caring when she leaves they might be distressed uh, but when she comes back there's no like reconnection rejoining um, 
they're pretty avoidant. So basically, an adult attachment, it kind of mirrors the same thing, where someone in a secure, someone who has an ex- someone who has a secure attachment style um, would basically feel like in tune with their partner, close to them, but also understanding that if their partner's having a bad day or something like that, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a reflection of them. You know, they can give space if needed. They can be comforting if needed. Um, but they're secure within themselves, but also within the relationship. Like, this argument doesn't mean that we're going to break up. Whereas for an anxious person, they can be like, we're arguing. Does that mean you're going to leave me? Um, you know, they might need, like, that constant reassurance. Mm-hmm. Um, and then avoidant is like, you don't want to get hurt, so you leave first. So it's like, oh, you're doing too much. I'm going to just, I'm going to head out. Or, you know, um you're expecting too much from me. You're trying to like rain on my independence. So this is too much and I'm out. Avoidant attachment people still want to feel close, but when it gets too much, then they like push away. And Mm -hmm. so it's been like, the book was really interesting because it comes with like a quiz where you can like test your own. The second chapter, I think if you have a partner, you can like go through your partners. Um, And it talks about like the patterns of, with if you're anxious or avoidant because those are like insecure attachments um but you're with a secure person that can help you be more secure so the book discusses mm-hmm. how yes our attachment styles can be rooted in our childhood attachment mm-hmm. styles um but they can also change depending on experience like if i'm an anxious person or if i'm anxiously attached but my partner is no, one knows that and two is secure and then also gives me the reassurance that I'm needing then I wouldn't feel as anxious because I'm not worried about you leaving me because you're showing me things or you're doing things that let me know like you know you're you're here to stay or that you know you understand when I need reassurance and you provide it and it's no problem or you know whatever the case may be whereas if I'm anxious and I'm dating someone who's avoidant and I'm needing that reassurance I'm needing that and that's triggering my anxiety and I'm not getting it. And me asking for it is making the avoidant person like you're doing too much. You need too much. You're trying to like make this more than what it is. Like I need to step away. And so it's just a cycle of both of us not really getting our meet, our needs met. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I think attachment is really, really cool. Really, really interesting. It's how I think it's helpful to know what your attachment style is in general, um, because it also might make se- help you make sense of relationship history, relationship right. patterns, reasons why things may have ended or why you may have behaved a certain way in relationships. Um, and like I said, relationships can be learning experiences. So this is not to say um, you have to have it all figured out and then once you get married or once you find a partner, then everything will make sense. You're still going to learn yourself in the relationship. You're still going to be in maybe different situations that you wouldn't have been in when single. But the goal or the idea is now I know, oh, these certain things trigger me or, oh, I know I'm a person that needs reassurance. So now I'm going to look for a partner who can provide that. If my partner can't, then maybe that's not the partner that I need to be with. So I can date someone else or I can find someone who would provide what I need. So I think once you have a better understanding of what you're looking for and what your expectations are in a relationship, then it's helpful to then look for that in other people. Yeah. 
Um, and I definitely agree with you and think that like, you know, sometimes being in a partnership or just trying to figure yourself out, there's, re there's things that you do or certain patterns that you may not know the cause of, right? So with mm -hmm. attachment styles, it helps to kind of like put two and two together, like connect the dots. Um, it just gives you more insight at, um, into you as like an individual so that you can better your relationship. So if you guys yeah, don't sure. do attachment style, um, I don't know. I can't remember mine. <laughs> I would definitely say. When I took the quiz, I was, I had, most of my answers were secure, mm -hmm. but I had some answers that were avoidant. Okay. I mean, no, not avoidant, sorry. Anxious. Anxious. I didn't have any avoidant, so <laughs> I'm, I'm not avoidant oh. at all. Okay. Um, but avoidant, um, sorry, I, I thought of two things at the same time. So yeah, when I took the quiz, I had mainly secure, I scored mainly secure, but there were a few questions where I answered anxious, which for me, I was like, oh, that makes sense because there are certain things where I do feel really secure within myself. And if I had a partner that never gave me a reason to mistrust them, I don't see why I would be anxious. But there might be some other parts of me where it's like, ah, oh, based on my past experiences or based on just things that I've seen, it's like, well, you never know, or someone could change their mind. So there's a piece of me that might still feel anxious. I think personally that my secure piece, like how I would talk to myself the same way I would talk to clients about their self-talk, I can calm myself down and not react or behave in the way an anxious person would. But it doesn't mean that there's not still, you know, parts of you that could still feel anxious. So um, I thought it was really helpful. And a... I did my um, undergrad thesis on like attachment and views on monogamy. Mm -hmm. Don't remember much as much anymore because that's been like six years ago. Um, <laughs> it's like the low anxiety versus high anxiety, but then the low avoidance versus high avoidance. And mm -hmm. so for myself, if you are secure, you have low anxiety and low avoidance. If you are anxious, you have high anxiety, but low avoidance. So for anxious people, they want the love. They want to feel attached to someone and they want all of those things, but they fear that the other person doesn't or that they wouldn't be good enough or that that person may leave or something like that. So they're not avoiding the intimacy, but they're anxious about if you were to leave. Um, and then avoidant is like low anxiety, but high avoidance. So you're not necessarily anxious that people will leave, but you just don't want, you don't want to, like, deal with the possibility of, like, getting hurt or, yeah. you know, feeling or anything like that. Um, and then there's anxious avoidant because there's been a few studies on attachment. So some people, they just break it up into the three, like I said, secure, anxious, avoidant. Um, and then this chart focuses on the four, which is secure, anxious, avoidant, and anxious avoidant. So um, I think that's, you know, interesting because I don't see myself as avoidant at all, but I could see in certain situations where I might feel more anxious than not. And so that might be another way to just to uh, self-assess, like, do I feel anxious about getting close or intimate with people? Um, and do I feel like my independence is more important or that like I need to avoid getting too close to people or not? Okay. So yeah, guys, that is basically a very good summary of um because <laughs> yeah, that without you you summed up like one whole semester. So 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I definitely had to go back into college for a bit because anxiety, I'm like, I mean, not anxiety, um, attachment styles, like I said, they've always been of interest to me. So I hope you guys understand how that can contribute um, to yeah. just preparing for marriage before. Um, okay, so tips. What tips would you give to somebody that knows they want to be married, um, but doesn't even know like what to do on that journey or is on a journey maybe of just like self-discovery in general? Well, I would definitely say the self-discovery comes is important. So spending time with yourself, journaling out your emotions is helpful because then you can just like see what you're feeling and make sense of it. Um, I would say taking yourself out on dates, like not waiting for a man or a woman or whoever you're interested in to come along, but like treating yourself to certain things. Um, spending time with friends, having other relationships that help you learn about yourself because you don't just learn about yourself in romantic relationships. Um, I would say take note or inventory of relationships that you've seen, that you've been around, what messages you've taken from those. Yes, that's huge. How they've, how they've impacted your expectations, right? Because there's some people who have grown up in a very traditional household, so they're like maybe expecting that, like, I'll stay home with the kids and my husband will work. Or some men, especially because men are socialized to be the providers. Like, and, the, and for them, providing only means financial. Yeah. Um, so for any men that are listening, like, recognizing, like, you can do so much more in a relationship besides just paying for something. Yeah. Um, like, there's so many other ways to provide for a family and for your future partner. Um, and so I think it's important to look at those expectations of what you're expecting yourself to do, but also what you're expecting your partner to do. Um, travel, if you can afford it, travel, like, you know, do stuff that, that shows you other cultures, other, just other aspects of life outside of your daily routine. Mm -hmm. Um, cause it just opens up your mind to like, you don't have to go the route that everyone around you has if you don't want to you may want to and that's great but making sure that you're choosing that not because you don't know any better because that's all you've ever seen but because that's what you want to do um yeah tips I mean that's all I can think of for right now at least the self-discovery piece when you know that you want to be married that part I know for myself is kind of tricky because a lot of people will say like date get to know people which I do agree like dating get to know getting to know people Dating helps you learn what you want from people. What's what are your turn offs? What are your turn ons? What you are looking for? Um, exploring like who you are, your sexuality, what works for you. Masturbating is helpful, so you can you know guide people and understand like your body and what works. Um, but with the dating, like when you know that you want partnership and that you want marriage, every person is different so some people are like yeah I don't mind going on dates all the time or I'm on dating apps or I do this and other people might be like I don't like doing that or that's not how I find people um or it's COVID still two years yeah later, almost three. Two so, years later. <laughs> you know it's like some people I mean I go back and forth some days I'm like I'm vaccinated 
it's been two years. Like, I can't just live inside my house. I'm going outside. And then there's other days I'm like, nah, but COVID is really still out here. Like, I don't, I don't want to be outside. So, you know, that part can be hard when finding a partner, the dating scene. Um, I've been hearing a lot of people make the joke of, like, the dating pool has pee in it. So I can definitely understand <laughs> if there are some frustrations um, because the pickings do, do seem slim at times. But, again, I would say just even if you're, like, wanting to go out, then go with your friends and, like, just being outside more so that hopefully you get to meet new people um, because maybe that'll lead to something, you know? And if it doesn't lead to something like marriage, maybe it'll at least lead to, like, you meeting new friends, new people, going new places, things that still add to a fulfilling single life so that when you do find that person, you can feel like, I've lived my life the way that I wanted to, and I wasn't just, like, waiting for this person to come along and never did anything for right. myself. And I think that, like, you talk about that, like, you I've been waiting for this person this, let's say hypothetically, I've been waiting for this person this whole time um, and I've missed out on certain things. Or I know you commented before saying like, you know, I got married so young um, and I didn't even know who I was at that time. So all these things are like injuries to like self-discovery that can really create resentment in a marriage. Um, And they really don't have nothing to do with your partner. It's all you. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But because you and your partner decided to become one, it can kind of be something that's like a stumbling stone. You hold me back type thing. Yeah, it can feel like because of you, I'm not doing this when it's not literally the person. It's just because we're in marriage or because of your expectations in marriage. Because to me, honestly, marriage doesn't like scare me or make me feel like, oh, I'm going to lose so much. Because in my mind, I'm like, me and my partner could travel together. We can go on dates. We can do stuff. Now, having kids to me, I'm like, well, kids, you can't do nothing if you don't have a babysitter. (laughs) Like, so all of your freedom is gone. Um, yeah. so marriage doesn't feel like, oh, I'm losing my freedom. Cause there's part, I'm going to envision that I'm ha- going to have a healthy marriage where my partner would be like, oh, you can still go out with friends. You can still do these things and vice versa. I would expect him to still go out with his friends and have a life outside of me, but also we have a life together and we do things together. That seems fun. That's my expectation of marriage. Other people might have this expectation of like, oh, when I'm married, it's what my partner wants first um and that's it or you know I it's not I don't have time to be social or I would stop working whatever your expectations are I don't have those but whatever your expectations are um I think also just defines how you look at marriage and what you want to do leading up to it because if I'm thinking oh I've traveled I've done certain things I've been with friends when I have a partner, there's more places I still want to travel or we can make our own memories or we can still do stuff, you know? So I think it's just important to really assess like what you are expecting marriage to be like. And if, if that's realistic, if that's from what you've seen, is the person that you're dating, is that what their expectations of marriage is like? You know, like that's important to kind of ask those questions. Yeah, absolutely. And like, just to stress, I know we're, marriage therapist so we're like pro love over here and stuff but marriage is definitely not like a death sentence it's not like the end of the road no, um, right, right. it's the beginning to a whole bunch of possibilities so for sure but it also yeah. does take a lot of take a lot of work work yes and, and commitment when, yeah and when kids come into the mix and the daily like mundane of adulting and having to pay bills and who's going to take care of what and the logistics 
logistics of a house and all of that it can be a lot on two people so to make sure that you and your partner have that foundation is important I think marriage is a beautiful I mean obviously right (laughs) yeah you know it can lead to it can if it if the foundation isn't great or if you're resenting your partner if your partner's resenting you or if both of you are not feeling fulfilled in general then that can harm the marriage yeah for sure um, and you discussed logistics, right? So this is a little segue, but I think that we both discussed it's very important to incorporate in the episode. So, you know, people might have this grandiose idea of marriage, but not really have like a blueprint or like a map of like how to obtain it healthily or what they need to do in order to get there in a healthy way. Um, so what are some pre-wedding conversations that you think are like a must-have? Um, finances, for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. People like finances is one of the leading reasons for divorce. Yeah, people, it's so crazy because we live in America, which is so capitalistic. Yeah, <laughs> and money literally rule, rules everything. But because money rules everything, there's a lot of emotions tied up with money. Sometimes shame, sometimes you know power, control, whatever. So I don't think it's talked about as much as it should be. Um, it's helpful to know a partner's spending habits because in yeah. this country your marriage isn't just about love it's tied to like taxes and property and yeah all these legal things too right so if you're going to connect yourself to someone who's in hundreds of thousands of debt when you're someone who has none that might be stressful you know or mm-hmm. someone who's in the debt and she's like yeah whatever I'll just rack up more I don't care versus someone who's like no this is my plan like I think finances are really important to discuss um, because then also, like we're talking about with logistics, your day to day would look different, right? If you're right. someone who's more frugal or it's like, I can eat at home, but your partner wants to go out every week and, but you want to save up money for a vacation and they want to go out and eat every week, like that's going to cause some tension and some disagreements. Um, so I think money is a big thing. I think expectations around sex is a big thing. Um, yeah, so people may expect like, yeah, like, oh, once we're married, we don't have to sex, have sex as much because we're married and it's going to dwindle down. Whereas other people might be like, well, we're living in the same house now, so I expect sex every day. Like, so yeah. sex, um, that's what I'm looking for. Uh, not expectations, but I can't remember the word I'm looking for right now. But just like, you know, not nec- not even like, like having exact same sex drives, but at least some idea of you know what would be ideal for your partner how many times a week would be ideal or feel like enough um is important I think children like I don't think parenting has to be uh you don't have to be on the exact same page but Mm -hmm. do we want kids like that that's an important question (laughs) because if you're with someone and they don't want kids but you do how's that gonna work um, you can't force someone to change their mind or bring a child in. I I think it would be unfair to bring a child into the world when the other person's like, I don't want a kid. Kids can feel that. Yeah. So um, I think, you know, expectations around finances, children, um, sex are, is big. Communication. Um, understanding, like, family of origin stuff. So mm-hmm. are you really close with your family? What are the expectations? Are we expecting holidays are at 
my family? Does your family have certain traditions? What would that look like now that we're a unit? Um, some people are fine with you go with your family, I go with mine. Some people might not be fine with that. So talking about what that would look like, I think is important. Um, religion is a big thing for people. Is it like you have to be, we're going to church every Sunday or is it just, I need you to believe in higher power? Um, you know, what does that look like? For your partner I think that's a really good conversation to have um someone brought up I don't know if it was a tv show I was watching it probably was married at first no I think it was twitter and someone was like <laughs> is your partner's sleep schedule important and I was like I never thought of that because yeah, if I I stay up late if my future husband goes to sleep at like 9 p.m I'm gonna be like I'm up for like a, like what am I gonna do? And if he's yeah, making like four I can't like, wait until like two, so <laughs> the night yeah, like that. But nine, I'm like okay, nine. I have finished seeing clients, have hopefully written my therapy notes, and just ate dinner, and now I can relax. Other people are yeah. like in the bed, knocked out by nine, and I'm just like, wow, I can't even imagine. So yeah. you know, I think that's important. Like, what do your schedules look like? Not saying they have to match, not saying they have to be perfect, but does it feel like we could make that work, right? Like, mm-hmm. does it feel like, oh, I'd be able to see my partner and spend time with them? Or does it feel like you two would just be roommates, kind of like living in the house together, but still missing each other and not having, you know, that connection? Yeah, I, I think that, agree. Those are, all those are all the topics that came to the top of my head. I'm sure there's more, but those are the okay. ones that came to the top of my head. I always talk about death with my premarital clients. Like, I think that's huge. Um, how do you grieve? How does your family mm-hmm. react? Um, the process, even if we're not even talking about like death itself, but just the understanding that everybody has to go. Like, how do you conceptualize that? Um, people mm, think about death in good. different ways. Yeah, so just being well, realistic and then just ask that. Yeah, because I've been thinking, like, I have been thinking, I have all four of my grandparents still on this earth. It's a huge blessing. I'm very grateful for that. Logically, I know and understand they're going to pass, Um, especially, like, they're all, two are in their 80s, two are, like, my grandma's turning 80 in two months, and my other grandpa is, like, a few years from 80. So, like, they're older. Um... And I remember just thinking, like, I'm praying that God sends me a man before I lose one of them because I'm not going to be okay. Like, yeah. I'm just, I'm not going to be okay. And um, it, it, like, how you conceptualize that is, is really important because I can, as a therapist, I don't know if it's as a therapist, but as just a mature person, I understand that death is natural and it's expected and it's going to happen. Um and I would want a partner who's not just like, oh, you know, I mean, death happens, but like, what can you do? You know, I would yeah. want someone that's like, wow, I'm so sorry. Like, I know this is hard for you. Even though we know that it was expected, I would want someone who's like attentive and caring and like doing whatever I need. And I've, you know, I've said to my friends, I've made jokes, like I have amazing friends. I know even if I didn't have a man, if I were to lose a grandparent, like my friends, would do whatever I needed but there's to me something sometimes just different about being in the arms of like your partner (laughs) versus being with your friends and so I think that's a great I never thought of that before so I'm about to add that into my sessions I think that's great to like have a partner who 
would provide that comfort, but also your views on death are, not, they, again, I don't think you will have to be similar all the time with your partner, right. but at least an understanding mm-hmm. of like, that's how you view it. Okay. And if that's how you view it, then I can be that for you. On the flip side, I view it this other way. So I might need you to view it this way, but if it can be a compromise or an understanding, I think that's important. Yeah, all these different things are definitely like worthy conversations to have and things to think about. Um, Jordan, this has been an amazing conversation. I hope the listeners took some good things away from it. Um, What would you, just tying everything up really nicely, what are some um, key points that you think listeners should go away from this podcast with? Um, Key points. Not feeling like you have to rush. Mm Mm-hmm to find someone I do understand if there's any women listening we do have literal biological clocks so that can add some pressure sometimes um but really trying to stay focused and grateful for like where you are in your life and just trusting that what you want is possible and that you deserve it and that it will come and in the meantime take what you can learn from your current experiences um get clear about your expectations and your desires so that you can know if someone is matching them or not so that you can express them to someone should you need to. Um, And yeah, and just, you know, give yourself some extra love too. Whether you are listening to this, listening to this single or in a relationship, self-love does not disappear just because you have someone else to love you. So make sure that you're, Loving on yourself too. Eggs. Oh, well said. Okay, that's how you wrap up the <laughs> show. <laughs> I try. I try. I literally have nothing else to add. That was all I okay. could think. Um, especially the piece on self love. Like self, I don't think that we learn about self love enough, or we learn about the importance of that. Um, so it's forever something that you should incorporate and never forget because you have to be your number one player everybody else is operating on their own um so well said jordan thank you so much so can you just tell them your credentials name where they can find you all that good stuff before we get off oh sure um so my name is jordan madison i am a licensed clinical marriage and family therapist i'm licensed in maryland and dc and you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Therapy Is My Jam. My website is also therapyismyjam.com. I uh, just came out with a monthly newsletter. So if you want to subscribe to that, of course, and get updates. Um, I call it the monthly jam. Clearly, I'm sticking <laughs> with the jam thing. So yeah. um, it's journal prompts, affirmations, and mindful moments. So, um, yeah, you can look for that in your inbox every month if you subscribe. In the next episode, we're going to continue to create a blueprint for healthy millennial relationships. Thank you for listening to us and make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at underscore sex on the table.